You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Would you open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter number 3? 2 Samuel chapter number 3. And um, I, I, I enjoy beginning enjoy being able to share the Word of God, open the Word of God. Nothing I say is going to matter, but the Word of God has the truth. Amen. Uh, if, I, if what I say doesn't line up with Scripture, then we are, uh, we are in, we're in trouble. But when we look at the Bible, we look at the Word of God, we see what it has for us. I know it'll be a blessing because it is the Word of God and it will not return void. Now, I'd just like to be a pastor for a few minutes this morning and help you. And if this does not, is this not, is not your situation today? Wonderful. File it away and a few weeks down the road, months down the road, you may need, you may need these principles that we're going to look at this morning. I want to tell you, we're going to start off. It's going to be kind of heavy. It's going to be kind of dark. It's going to be kind of miserable. In 2 Samuel, uh, when you read this book and you study this book, this is when David was king, but David made a number of mistakes along the way and God had to deal with him. And he had to deal with him and had to deal with him. And particularly after chapter 11, God is dealing with David and we see the, the result of the sin with Bathsheba. And it just goes on and on and on. But you know, this was David, a man after God's own heart. God still loved him. God still, God still worked in his heart and God still wanted to use him. And so with our men's meeting that we had, we talked about addictions, addictions to novelty, internet addictions, addictions to novelty, addictions to pornography, addictions to, to video games. Addictions to things that are just new. We talked about that, and it's pretty heavy, pretty heavy content. And this really is almost a continuation of, okay, we've, we've got some situations here. What's the next step? What's the next step? And this is not going to be, I've got one point at the end that I'm going to make. One point. One point. One application from what we read in this chapter. So you gotta stay with us at the beginning. You gotta stay. We're gonna go through chapter three, most of the chapter. Look at the, many of the verses, tell the stories. And then we're gonna make an application at the end that will apply to everyone. And I know that this is what God wants us to have. Just things that have been said in Sunday school, songs that have been sung. I know this, God confirmed in my heart. This is the message we need. So it may be for one person. I know I need it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to get into this. Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you that uh, your word ministers to us. And Lord, it's always new and always fresh. So Lord, would you once again teach us from these Old Testament stories? Teach us. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, if there's one here this morning that does not know you a Savior, I pray that this would be the day of their salvation. Pray that they would uh, turn their heart and life over to you. Lord, again, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this good church and the friendliness and hospitality. Lord, I just pray that you'd bless our time together now around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Someone once said that man's heart is darker than a thousand midnights. Man's heart is darker 
than a thousand midnights. I said, this is a depressing way to start. <laughs> this is not going to be a rah, 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 sis, boom, bah, we hate the devil, ha, ha, ha. You know, this, it's not going to be one of those messages, but I know it's going to help our hearts. It is the word of God. We're going to read these stories. We've got five characters in this chapter. David, Abner, Faltiel, the Benjamites, and Joab. And we're going to read stories and we're going to read what they did. And again, it seems to be a doom and gloom message. But you got to stay awake till the end because the light's going to break through at the end. And we'll then appreciate the light because we've seen the darkness. We'll appreciate the light because we've seen the darkness. Men, we saw a lot of darkness and we, we, I hope the Holy Spirit revealed to all of us over the last couple of days the darkness of our heart and, and I want to help us with the, with the light. Well, let's look at the first passage there. Verse number one of chapter three in second Samuel. If you're with me, say amen. Now there was a long war between the house of David. I'm sorry, between the house of Saul and the house of David. Real quick, Saul has just passed away. David now is about to be anointed. He's already been anointed king. He's going to be recognized as king over all of Israel. So there was some, there was some conflict there, though, between the house of Saul and the house of David. It says, but David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. And unto David were sons born in Hebron. And his firstborn was Amnon, of Ahinoam the Jezreelitis, and his second Chileab of Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite, the third Absalom, the son of Maaka, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, and the fifth Shephatiah, the son of Abital, and the sixth Ithriab by Egla, David's wife. These were born to David in Hebron. The first negative thing we see in those five chapters is David's selfish marriages. I mean, it starts with a civil war there, the long war in verse number one. And it says that David gets stronger and stronger. His house gets stronger and stronger. And then it lists his sons. And in those days, a king that had many sons, you know, that was his strength. But the problem here is that every one of those sons had a different mama, a different mother. And we know that in Bible, a lot of the men had numerous wives. That does not make it right. And just because they did, just because the world does something, doesn't mean it's right for us. Am I on here? Can you hear me? I, I can't tell. You stay here. It was on. Hey, we have a rule at our church. Okay, I got the green light. Am I good? We have a rule at our church. If anything bad happens, it's the sound man's fault. <laughs> if the air conditioner goes out, it's the sound man's fault. <laughs> you know, if the bus breaks down, it's the sound man's fault. Call the sound man. So we have a lot of fun with we have a lot of fun with that. Okay, so am I on this one now? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Can you hear me? All right, let's 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 move on. Just because, of, just, because of, uh, uh, just because the world does it doesn't make it right. Just because the culture in David's time, in the culture they had numerous wives, that didn't make it right, even in his culture, even in Israel's culture. And so it's, 
Especially when you are specifically as the king in Deuteronomy 17, 17, you are commanded, neither shall he, talking about the kings, multiply wives that his hearts turn not, turn not away. Specific scripture. Don't do it. But David did. Are we guilty? <laughs> so it lists these sons here. He's disregarding God's law for his own interest, be it for security or be it for sexual reasons, whatever. But he has these sons. And when we read their names, we, we it's kind of a foreshadow of the evil things and the bad things that are going to happen. It mentions Amnon there. Amnon was the one who raped his half-sister. And then it mentions also Absalom. Absalom is the brother that murdered Amnon. And, and, and try to take over the kingdom. It mentions Adonijah, who tried to take the throne when David was about to pass away. And Solomon, who was not mentioned here, but Solomon was one that had to execute Adonijah because he was trying to take the throne. And then it mentions Chileab and the other two, Shephatiah and Ithrium. And other verses, it kind of hints that these men died young. So it, it's a it's a foreshadowing of the of the evil of the of the darkness. Man's heart is darker than a thousand midnights. Let's look at the next character there. Look at verse number. Look at verse number six. And it came to pass while there was war between the house of David and the house of house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner made himself strong for the house of Saul. Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ai. And Ishbosheth said to Abner, Wherefore hast thou gone into my father's concubine? Then was Abner very wroth for the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head, which against Judah do show kindness this day into the house of Saul thy father, to his brethren, to his friends, and have not delivered thee into the hand of David, that thou chargest me today with a fault concerning this woman? So do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him to translate the kingdom from the house of Saul, to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah, from Dan even to Beersheba. And he, Ishbosheth, could not answer Abner a word again because he feared him. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, accuses Abner of, of, of taking Saul's concubine. Now Saul's passed away, but taking one of Saul's secondary wives, Rizpah, and having relations with her, and, and Abner gets upset. Now, Abner was after Saul's house. Abner was trying to help Ishbosheth become the king of Israel. And now, in this situation, we see in verses 6 through 11, we see the darkness of Abner just changing sides. Abner knew, here's the sad thing, Abner knew that David was supposed to be the king. Look at that verse again. Look down at, look down at verse number 9. It says, so do God to Abner and more also, except as the Lord hath sworn to David, even so I do to him. Abner says, all right, Ishbosheth, I'm not for Saul's family anymore. I'm changing sides. I'm going to join in with David. And it wasn't because God had told him that David was going to be the next king. Abner already knew that. And Abner was working to overthrow David. Man's heart is darker than a thousand midnights. Abner joins David, not because it was right, but because he was selfish. You see, he wants to be the leader of David's mighty men. He was trying to be the leader of Saul's mighty men. He saw this wasn't going to work out. And so 
he changes. David's failure in marriage, Abner's political maneuvering. Look at the third incident here, verse number 12. Boy, this is sad. Verse 12, Abner sent messengers to David on his behalf, on, on Ishbosheth's behalf, saying, who's the, who's this the land? Saying also, make thy league with me, and behold, my hand shall be with thee to bring about all Israel unto thee. And he said, David said, well, I'll make a league with thee. But one thing I require of thee, that is, thou shalt not see my face, except thou first bring Michael, Saul's daughter, when thou comest to see my face. And David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, deliver me my wife, Michael which I espoused to me for an hundred foreskins of the Philistines. And Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, even from Faltiel, the son of Laish. And her husband went with her along, weeping behind to Behurim. Then said Abner unto him, Go, return. And he returned. The third thing that we see in this dark story was Faltiel's sinful relationship with Michael. So Abner's going to switch sides. So he sends word to David. David says, I don't want to see your face unless you make sure that Michael, another one of David's wives, comes home. You remember the story when David was having to flee from Saul? Whenever he's having to flee from Saul, he fled. And uh, the time that he went out the window... He was with Michael the time that he was went out the window. He left, he fled, and from that time forward, he didn't see his wife again. And so she shacks up with another guy. This has been years. This has been years. She's in a common-law marriage with this other guy named Faltiel, and David says, I want Michael back. Not that David really loved her. It, it was a it was a political maneuver by David as well. She was Saul's daughter, and uh, you know the folks that support Saul, maybe they'll support me because Michael is back in the uh, in the family. And so, but here's Faltiel. Here's this guy who takes in this woman, living with her. David and David and Ab, I'm sorry, David and Michael did not. There was no divorce. David was gone. She moves in and shacks up with this other guy. Faltiel is considered her husband. Sinful relationship. Listen, can I tell you, relationships formed out of God's will often end up like this one. You can't violate what God says about relationships, about marriage, about living together. You can't violate what God says and expect to not pay some kind of price for it. So David failed. Abner failed. Faltiel failed. Let's look at the next one. Look at verse 17. Abner had communication with the elders of Israel. Now, these are the Benjamites. It's going to tell us down in verse number 19. This is the tribe of Benjamin. This was Saul's tribe, the tribe that Saul was from. So David, uh, Abner had communication with these elders. And he said, you sought for David in time past to be king over you. Now then, do it. He said, in time past, you wanted to follow after David. The story is told over in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Saul was having a pity party and the Benjamites were about to leave. This is when he was chasing after David. And he told the Benjamites, he said, I can do more for you than David can. 
I can do more for you than David can. And read that First Samuel 22, 7. You need to stay with me. Stay on my side. And so they did. Because it was advantageous for them. Well, now it's more advantageous for them to join up with David. And that's what Abner is telling them. He said, in the past, you wanted him to be king. Verse 18, now do it. For the Lord has spoken of David, saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel out of the hand of the Philistines and out of the hand of all their enemies. And Abner spake in the ears of Benjamin. And Abner went to speak to the ears of David in Hebron and all that seemed good to Israel and that seemed good to the whole house of Benjamin. So Abner came to David, to Hebron, and 20 men with him, and David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said to David, I will rise and go, and I will gather all Israel unto my lord the king, that they may make a league with thee, and that thou mayest reign over all that thine heart desireth. And David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. The Benjamites' selfish loyalty because of the direction given by Abner. They weren't loyal to David because he, they believed he should be king. They weren't loyal to David because they were being loyal to God. They were loyal to David because they felt like it would benefit them. Another failure. We've looked at David's sinful marriages, Abner's political maneuvering, Faltiel's sinful relationship, the Benjamites' selfishness and being loyal to David. Let's look at another one. Look at verse 22. Behold, the servants of David and Joab came from pursuing a troop. Okay, so now we're going to look at Joab and Joab's unlawful behavior. Joab was the leader of David's troops. Abner wanted to be the leader of David's troops. Previously in battle between Saul's men and David's men, Joab had killed Abner's brother Asahel. In a battle, in war, Azahel was chasing him. Joab tried to get him to turn around. Basically, he said, you don't want to mess with me, kid. You don't want to mess with you, kid. Azahel wouldn't stop. Joab stopped, stabbed him under the fifth rib. Azahel died. That was Abner's brother. Joab's coming back from a battle. He's bringing the spoils with him there in verse number 20. Verse, at the middle of verse, uh, sorry, verse 22, the middle of the verse there says, But Abner was not found with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he was gone in peace. So when Abner had showed up and made the, the treaty with David, Joab wasn't there. He was out fighting the king's battle. When Joab and all the host that was with him were come, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king and he has sent him away and he is gone in peace. And Joab said, What? What? Abner was here and David let him go? Abner's the enemy. He's the leader of Saul's troops. Abner's the guy that killed my brother. Look at verse 24. Then Joab came to the king and said, What hast thou done? Behold, Abner came unto thee. Why is it that thou hast sent him away and he is quite gone? Thou knowest Abner the son of Ner, that he came to deceive thee and to know thy going out and thy coming in and to know all that thou doest. Joab's reaming out his boss. Verse 26, And when Joab was come out from David, he sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again from the well of Syrah. But David knew it not. So Joab says, uh, Hey, Abner, I need to meet with you. 
I need to meet with you. David did not know what was going on. Verse number 27. And when Abner was returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him there under the fifth rib that he died for the blood of Azahel, his brother. Without David knowing it, Joab sends for Abner, pulls him aside, and then stabs him. And some folks would say, well, Abner deserved deserved it because, because he killed he killed Joab's brother. And you know, so Joab was the 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 avenger of wrath, is what the Old Testament calls them. And that's what the avenger of wrath was supposed to do. And but here's here's the kicker. Abner was in Hebron. Hebron was a city of refuge. In a city of refuge, when there was a case like that, it was not going to be adjudicated by the avenger of wrath. They were going to have to go before the authorities. And Joab, in his anger, knowing that this was a city of refuge, I think that when it says he took him aside in the gate, come out here, Abner. Get outside the gate. Get outside the city. And he murdered him. Joab was bitter. One more. One more failure. Look at verse number 27. Are you still with me? Say amen. Verse number 28. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, I and my kingdom are guiltless before the Lord forever from from the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab. He said, David said, look, we're innocent in all this. This is on Joab. Let the condemnation, let the punishment come on Joab. Let the rest on the head of Joab, let all his father's house, let there not fail from the house of Joab one that hath an issue, or that a, that is a leper, or that leaneth on a staff, or that falleth on a sword, or that lacketh bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, slew Abner, because he had slain their brother, as the hell of Gibeon in battle. Here's the last failure that we're going to look at in the chapter. And that is, David didn't do anything about it. David was the king. He was the authority. David was the one. Most kings would have executed Joab because Joab committed murder. David knew the right thing to do, but he didn't do it. Because We know that he knew it was the right thing because later on, when David's about to die, he tells Solomon, take care of Joab. Take care of Joab. He murdered Abner. You need to execute him. David knew what he was supposed to do, but he didn't do it. Some folks say, well, you know, that was, that was okay. No, David was, David was passive. David was passive. That was a character flaw for David. How, chapter one of, chapter one, David dealt with an Amalekite. Uh, he, he met, he, he met and executed two murderers in chapter four, but he wouldn't do it with Joab. Why? You remember that verse that we read? Joab brought the spoils of war. When Joab was in that battle, in verse number 22, it says he brought a great spoil with him. Maybe David's thinking, I don't want to execute Joab because he's good for me. He defeats the enemy, brings in the, brings in the loot for the kingdom. I don't know if that's the case. Man's heart is darker than a thousand midnights. We see that. Can we relate? Men, we talked for two days about our, our mind 
Now, the Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. In many instances, I think we can all relate to that. And then we try to expose that over the, over the sessions on Friday and Saturday. In chapter 3 here, we see David's selfish marriages, Abner's maneuvering to gain a position, Faltiel's sinful relationship, the Benjamites' selfish loyalty, Joab murders Abner, and then David does nothing about it. He's passive. That's a lot of character flaws. That's a lot of failure. There's a lot of selfishness. There's a lot of sin. They say, Pastor, where's the light? You said there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. Where's the light? I don't see any light in that. I did not see this, okay? This is not something that I found on my own, but in research and reading and listening, look at verse number 32. They're going to bury Abner now. This talks about burying Abner. Verse number 32, it says, And they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept. The king. That's the first time in the book of Second Samuel that David is referred to as the king. Before this in 2 Samuel, he's the king of Judah. He's not the king of Israel. He's called a king. This is the first time in this passage in 2 Samuel where he's called the king. The king. Verse 33, and the king lamented. He said, how is that? How is that the ray of light? In the middle of all this sin, in the middle of all this degradation, the Holy Spirit is telling God's people, you and I, these people, the first readers, He's telling us, don't worry, I'm still under, I've still got things under control. I'm still in control. David is still the king. He's gonna be the king. And I'm gonna work these things out. I'm gonna make it happen in your life. The first readers, the, 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 um, the first readers of this text, Jewish scholars say that this text was written when the Jews were in captivity in Babylon, that 70-year Babylonian captivity, Jewish scholars today believe that this was when this passage was written, and so the Holy Spirit had them write this, and imagine them in Babylon reading this, and reading about all the degradation, all the sin, all the sin, but God says to them, and God says to us, the kingdom hasn't been ruined. The king hasn't been ruined. Listen, God has a plan for your life, and his plan has not been ruined by your sin. God has a plan for my life, and my life, and, and, and a direction for my life. And despite the sins of my past, God still allows me to preach the gospel. And God still allows me to be his servant. In spite of everything in this passage seeming to be unraveling, God's plan is still intact. In spite of David's sin, in spite of Abner's sin, in spite of Joab's sin, God is still at work. That's what the first chapters are about. God is establishing David as his king. Men fail. Men are stupid. Men are selfish. Darkness. But that's not getting in the way of God's purpose and God's plan. There is a ray of light. And here's the title of the message. Man's sin is great, but God's grace is greater. 
Divine enablement. Undeserved divine enablement is my definition for grace. I love that. Undeserved divine help. God's grace is greater than David's sinful marriages. God's grace is greater than Abner's sinful manipulation. God's grace is greater than the Benjamites' selfish loyalty. Amen. God's grace is greater than Joab's sinful murder. And God's grace is not in just, just in 2 Samuel chapter number 3. It's by the bigger sins. In David's life, there's going to be bigger sins. He's going to commit adultery. He's going to commit murder. He's, he's going to use Joab. God's going to use Joab anyway. God's going to use David anyway. God's going to use the Benjamites anyway. The point is, God can continue to use people in spite of the people because God is a gracious God. Did you hear the song that we sang? Did you sing the song that we sang? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace. Listen, we've all made selfish decisions. And then we're shocked when we reap the consequences. <laughs> you know, we've all, we've, we've all responded in revenge like Joab. We've all tolerated sin in our lives and in others' lives because it's too inconvenient for us to deal with it like David did. But God has enough grace to forgive us and to use us for His good purposes. And all God's people said, Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now I know who we are. We're independent Baptists. The caveat is there may be something that you have disqualified yourself from doing in the Lord's work, but you can still be used of God. God can still use you. God still wants to use you. Sin may abound, but God's grace can abound in greater measure. There's only one sin that's going to disqualify you from being used by God, and that's the sin of refusing to repent and forsake. God's grace is ready to forgive you, men. Ladies, God's grace is ready to forgive you. If you're here today and you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you've not accepted Him, you've not had your sins washed away, and you say, I, I'm wrestling with this in my mind, I've been thinking about this. Listen, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin, and the only thing that's going to prevent that from happening is our refusal to accept. What can wash away my sin? What is it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Answer me this. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Here's what I'm asking this morning. Will you ask for His forgiveness? Will you ask for His grace? Will you confess your sin? Listen, God's grace was not just for David. God's grace was not just for Abner. God's grace was not just for Joab. God's grace is for you. God's grace is for me. Listen, the world is not getting any better. The world is not getting any better. Man's sin is always going to be great, but God's grace is always greater. Listen, Gethsemane Baptist Church, the gates of hell will cannot prevail against the church because God's grace 
is greater. The Bible will continue to change lives on this campus because God's grace is greater. His grace will continue to change eternal destinies. His grace can change your destiny right here this morning, a destiny of eternal judgment in hell to a destiny of eternal life, rejoicing, peace in heaven. For you that are saved, for those of us that know the Lord, sometimes we, we get depressed when we, sing, when we see 2 Samuel chapter 3 events in our culture, in our community, in our family sometimes. We see selfish political leaders, passiveness towards crime. And if we're not careful, we'll get cranky, we'll get sour, we'll get like the world. But listen, you don't have to because you're saved, you're adopted, you're redeemed, you're made holy. And if you die, you're going to stand in the presence of your Savior. So why are you mully grubbing around? Hey, we win in the end. I've read the back of the book and we win. Amen. Listen, you might be in the, you might be in the position of these Bible characters. Maybe we need to get to an altar. Repent of the sin that the Holy Spirit convicted us of. Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday school. Some of you may be in a good place. Not prideful, but man, you feel like you're close to the Lord. And not perfect, but things are going well right now. Uh, Maybe you need to get on your knees and say, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace. You know, every one of us have something to do in response to this truth that God's grace is greater than man's sin.